You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Stick a fork in them. They're done. Get all the people rounded up, no matter the size, and just let them sing. This whole thing is over. The Packers season is finally kaput, and maybe now we can focus on teams that are actually worth talking about in the NFL. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And you guys know you can tweet us, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at uh, Spain and Fitz, uh, on the Dr. Pepper Twitter line, ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Sarah? I, I could buy myself two or three of them today because I made some money last night. I was confident that the mm-hmm, Packers were, were going to lay an egg. I was confident that Derrick Henry was going to score a touchdown. And now I am confident that I can go into the weekend with a little extra cheddar to play around nice. with because all of that happened is actually exactly as I thought. But there was one thing I didn't think. I didn't think we'd see Aaron Rodgers miss throw after throw. It just looked out of whack, it looked out of sync, and now I'm looking at the Packers saying that with the runway left that the Vikings have, Green Bay is done. One thing that we didn't get was we kept talking about how all the talking heads expected the Packers to really try to shut down Derrick Henry and that it was going to be all about Tannehill, and we anticipated that, try as they might, they wouldn't have success with Henry. Despite the touchdowns, they did. They kept him relatively quiet for what we expect from Derrick Henry. The difference was Ryan Tannehill looked really good. He picked apart that defense. 22 of 27 for 333 yards, two touchdowns, a 127.3 passer rating. So there's two conversations here. Uh, We'll quickly touch on the Titans because I would much prefer to eulogize the Packers. That's very enjoyable for me. But I'll quickly point out that we did see something from the Titans that potentially bodes well for them in the future to have success beyond the same formula we've seen over and over again. And Ryan Tannehill, when put in a position by a defense to be able to feast on those on those passes, was able to do so. Now, a lot of that has to do with the Packers' defense that let them down. A run game that was all but ineffective. Aaron Jones couldn't get anything done. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers. To your point, Fitz, this is what you expect from a Packers team when any of the elements don't work out is down the stretch. You've still got a shot because you've got Aaron Rodgers. Well, with the four final drives in this game against a secondary, by the way, that was missing like every player in the Titans secondary, Aaron Rodgers went eight of 16 for 60 yards. Mm. The season is hanging in the balance and he's got absolutely nothing to show for it. And that's the difference. And as much as it's not all Aaron Rodgers fault, Like I said, plenty of other things are going on. You've staked the value of this team on him being great. When he's not great anymore, you got nothing. To me, there's also such a difference between, hey, receivers are obviously running wrong routes. And there were a couple of times that we saw receivers stop on routes and Aaron threw his hands up, seemed frustrated. But to your point, when you're talking about late in the game, there were several times that guys looked like they were wide open. They were there. And the ball was just a little too far out. It was just a little mm-hmm. too high. And, it was off. You know, it, it's that would to me was a uh, was the stunning part of it because you're right. I I didn't expect uh, Ryan Tannehill to have one of those picture perfect. Oh my God! Some of those passes were. It felt like it was a game of inches, and the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest move one way or the other would have gone a different way. Traylon Burks had a really big game, a really nice game. It was fun to watch him come out and shine. But this game late, I mean, I, even if you're watching the Amazon Prime. 
uh, they had the shop for their mega cast. And, you know, it was a 10 point game late. And all of a sudden you heard somebody say, well, that's plenty of time for LeBron. That was the mi- for LeBron. Plenty of time for <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. That was the mindset uh, even LeBron had. Look at how I turned that around. Uh, but uh, realistically, there were opportunities. It was just the plays couldn't get made. I, I, I keep looking at Green Bay and it's like, all right, the book on them is now pretty well written. They're just a bad football team this year. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. After the game, Rodgers sort of half-heartedly said he still thinks the team can string together six straight wins to end the season and give themselves a chance. couple of games, you believe that. Most of them you don't. Like, I don't know, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Vikings, right? But he also sounded pretty downtrodden, and that's not surprising considering I think this is sort of the nail in the coffin for this season. He was asked whether he was surprised about the result after them picking up that big win against the Cowboys last week. Well, I thought Ryan played really well for them. They uh, stopped the run, gloved us in the back end. Uh, we knew this crew doesn't throw a lot of flags. Um, so, you know, combine that with, you know, me missing some throws and us not capitalizing on a couple opportunities like Keyshawn's uh, return there. Getting points there obviously hurt us, but we just never could kind of get over that hump and get the ball back with a chance to take the lead. Thank goodness he threw in the thing about the throws because when he started to act like it was on the officials in this game for not throwing a lot of flags. Uh, And Fitz, you know, we've been tracking, at least we did last week, Rodgers post-losses, what he says you know, about the future. We're going to come back and get him. Oh, they're underestimating us now. Oh, we're in the perfect position, right? <laughs> Here's what he said this week when asked about the future. Where do you go from here, Aaron? Home. One more time. Where do you go from here, Aaron? Home. Yikes. You could have at least sung it like, uh, give me the old Mark Broussard song, Home or something. Like, just give me, give me some, some, uh, you know, dazzle, razzle, dazzle on this. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the one that starts Alabama, Arkansas? That's a good home song. Oh, yeah. Home, <laughs> let me go home. Oh, man. We're, we're, we're. Edward Sharp, that's it. And the Magnetic Zeros. We could get all of the different songs that he could have sang. It would have been more. <laughs> where do you go from here? Home. Uh, it's not going to fix anything. I mean. <laughs> You know, and and part of his point that he made in the previous statement regarding the officiating crew, I just have to remind everybody that's information they know days in advance. And there are coaching staffs in the NFL that actually alter the way they're going to call things because of the officiating crews they're getting. So if you knew going in that that was going to be an issue, then you plan for it. I mean, it's just there are so many easy ways to look at this and say, hey, you should have thought of this. You should have thought of that. The fact is they were out executed. They were out game planned. They were out coached. They were out played. Uh, the Titans were clearly the better football team in this entire game. And I just walked away from it thinking the the two good portions of it is that the Titans showed us when they need to rely on their passing attack to win football games, they can. And I think that changes the way we view them. And the Packers showed us that they're not good. And it's going to take a lot to fix that this offseason. Yeah. Like they're going to have to go out and address the wide receiver position, which is not some big ta-da moment, but they've had years to do it and haven't done it. Fitz, I want to ask you, in Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, on a Friday, we were down on the Titans. We went back to look at our old takes yesterday, and we kind of still agreed with them. We just thought that they had done a good job of getting W's and making the best of their roster, despite some potential uh, drawbacks and construction issues there. They've got coming up the Bengals, the Eagles, the Jags, the Chargers, Texans, Cowboys, and then Jags again. 
Did this change your mind about just how good this Titans team can be? Because for me, I think this is still a team that can win a first round. I don't really see them going deep in the postseason. Yeah, it's always going to be that that I don't trust if they get into a big shootout that they'd be able yeah. to get out there and match Buffalo score for score, Kansas City score for score. And uh, don't at me, Titans fans, with all the, the history of what you've done against Kansas City. I think that's what makes us nervous when we get to the playoffs. Uh, nothing changed. It's just when you see that, you're like, oh, maybe there, you're at least telling me there's a chance. That's that's about how I felt from there. Uh, we'll keep breaking out all of the action. Plus, we got to get you set for the weekend. But coming up, home dogs are common, but 8-1 to one home dogs? We'll tell you about it next. Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spade and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spade, Jason Fitz. I'm not going to lie. I was dancing around so much I right there. I was just going to ask. Are Did you I, dancing? Because I am absolutely dancing. I, I unplugged my headphones. I was dancing so aggressively. So then I realized that I should probably <laughs> plug them back in. <laughs> you might need those. You that, might yeah, need those. It turns out that this wiggle is just too much for the studio to handle. Uh, I can't Whoa. believe I just said that Whoa. on the radio. Too. By the way, really fun story quickly. Well, I think it's fun when my husband and I got married. You know how they always do the like, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, like Mr. and Mrs. whatever. Um, we came down to like the DJ being like, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And then it cut ahead. It was like, let's go crazy. And it was, it was good. That is, that is dearly beloved. Sounds like the beginning of a wedding that, well, we are gathered here to celebrate this thing called Vikings football. So to do that, we are going to hang out now with the ESPN Vikings reporter, Kevin Seifer. Kevin, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. The Vikings, a one at a point half, uh, dog to the Cowboys, is this a big deal to you? Uh, I mean, it doesn't happen very much. I think uh, our stats and information people looked up, and this is only going to be the fourth time that's ever happened with an 8-1 and one record or better that a, a team like that would be a, an underdog at home. And on two of those occasions, the team had uh, sat at starting quarterback uh, just because it was getting ready for the playoffs. And so uh, extremely unusual. Uh, the Vikings have made a point to, to take that personally. Uh, teams usually love getting that kind of uh, motivation to actually have a concrete, tangible uh, example of the doubters hating them and all that. Usually they just have to make it up. And so in this case, they didn't even have to make it up. They have a genuine uh, example of people still not thinking that they're for real. The uh, fans feel the same, Kevin, and I've been hearing from them the last two weeks <laughs> after I've been on Around the Horn expressing my genuine opinion, which is not hating, which is not denigrating, is simply to say that I haven't seen enough yet that impresses me outside of the win-loss record. Of course I'm impressed sure. by 8-1. and one. This team is 17th in DVOA. The Cowboys are 4th. They've beaten a lot of bad teams in close games the only teams with winning records, the Dolphins without Tua and the Bills last weekend. Not 100% Josh Allen. I'm not going to make excuses, though. That was a good win for the Vikings. Tell me I'm wrong to say that I just – there's not reason enough yet statistically and in between the start and finish before that W and L is decided to say that this team is a great football team. Well, I mean, I think it's a reasonable point to take uh, as long as you look at it excuse me, in the context of the entire NFL where – you maybe there's only two or three teams that you could say that about. Um, And then there's probably two or three teams that you can say are terrible. And then everybody else is kind of mixed up in the middle. And the Vikings Mm -hmm. are at the very top of that uh, at at the very least are at the very top of that second tier. So they're close if they're not there, but it's a reasonable point. I would have probably been totally in line with you prior to that bills game. Um, While I know that there were some extremely unusual circumstances that led to that victory, uh, most notably a Josh Allen uh, fumble on the goal line, I think they did a lot 
to affect that victory on their own. Um, and to have done it there, I think, rose, you know, raised their stature in my eyes, at least. Um, certainly still can be debated reasonably among reasonable people, but I think they certainly <laughs> moved, in my mind, uh, a, a little bit uh, towards that uh, great okay. level after that win. All right. So, Kevin, I feel like everybody's already got their mind made up on how great Justin Jefferson is, rightfully so, and how questionable at times, let's say, Kirk Cousins can play. So with all of that on the offensive side of the ball, how do you assess what Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings coaching staff has done with this team so far? I, I think he's, you know, I think he and, and the entire staff have done a great job. I don't know that we can, you know, ultimately you are what your record is and they're eight and one. And he's, when you think about all the things that usually happen in a coaching transition in terms of changing scheme, changing, uh, you know, structure of the culture, all of those different things for them to have been able to do that while, going on this kind of a win streak um, is impressive and pretty rare. Uh, even when a, a coach uh, takes over a veteran's uh, nucleus like he, like Kevin O'Connell did, there's still some hiccups. And if the hiccups are coming, maybe they're coming, but they haven't come yet. So I think he's really deftly managed um, uh, the culture change that, that the organization needed to have. Uh, and he's also uh, done – what I think uh, a lot of people have been screaming about for a while and, and turn this into a pass first offense and recognize that, you know, I don't just have a number one receiver in Justin Jefferson. I don't have just a pro bowl receiver in Justin Jefferson. I have a superstar, you know, one of the top players at any position in the NFL, I'm running my entire offense through him and that's what he's done. And that's why he's on pace for a 2000 yard season. Um, it, it, we've seen it evolve. You know, they're at the point now where, uh, whether, even if he's double covered, uh, Kirk Cousins has the green light to throw in his direction in certain situations, and he's coming down with more of those than he's not. And uh, and that alone, I think, you know, while it sounds very simple, and you would think it would happen with any, uh, you know, half intelligent coaching staff, um, I think he deserves credit for really pushing that as well. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday. We're talking to Kevin Seifert, ESPN Vikings reporter, ahead of Vikings Cowboys this weekend. I go both ways on this. I can absolutely see the Cowboys defensive front having a, a ton of fun out there taking on a guy in Kirk Cousins who, who, who ranks really low in, against pressure. 25th in QBR, 30th in completion percentage, 27th in yards per attempt when under pressure. And we know that this defense has the second highest pressure rate in the NFL. I can also see the weapons for the Vikings eating up some of those weaknesses on the Cowboys side. What do you see winning this game? Um, you know, I, I think a big guy to be watching is Dalvin Cook. You know, it's interesting because after I just got done talking about how the Vikings are running their entire uh, offense through Justin Jefferson, they still have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook has actually played more snaps through uh, their nine games than he's ever played through nine games in the NFL. He's playing a ton. They're just not running as much. But a lot of that is because they've been in all these tight games and have had to come back in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think he could have a field day against them. And I I don't disagree with the concerns that you express for the Vikings pass protection against that Dallas front. It will be helped by the fact that Christian Darisaw, their really good left tackle, was clear today out of the concussion protocol. And he'll play. He was. Yeah. And he'll play. He'll play Sunday. So that's huge. But even with him in the lineup, they've, you know, there's definitely been times when, when, when Kirk has been really overwhelmed by by the pressure, and that's something to keep in mind. But if the Vikings can can get Dalvin Cook going against this uh, rush defense that's had some struggles lately, I think that could could counteract that and and be something that, w- that everybody should really be watching for on Sunday. 
Darisol, by the way, one of my favorite kids I talked to right after he was drafted because he talked about having never been anywhere near Minnesota. And I was thinking about, like, the life <laughs> adjustment that comes from going from Virginia Tech to there. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you're a pro. Uh, so, Kevin, let me ask you, in, in the in the way that we do things, if the Vikings go out and just absolutely annihilate the Cowboys on Monday, is that going to be about the Vikings or is it going to be about Dallas? Well, I mean, it could be about uh, Dallas having gone to two NFC North teams and lost two weeks in a row. But I think you, you know, if that should happen, um, you know, the Vikings will only have a quick turnaround to play the Patriots Thursday night against uh, on Thanksgiving and then play the Jets as well. So the Vikings will still have a really tough schedule, but it'll be hard if, if the Vikings would or to go out and, and they end up nine and one and after beating the Cowboys to not look at them as one of the top two or three teams in the league at that point. Absolutely agree. Hey, uh, do we have any updates on what might happen post game if there is a victory? Do we have new chains? Do we have new music? Do we have any other expectations there? Well, that's mostly been a, it's all been ideal uh, that they've had for road games when they've been flying home on the plane. So we'll see what they uh, what they cook up in the in the locker room if that's going to be something that they want to pursue. I know Patrick Peterson took over the, the the reins of the chains, I guess, from Kirk <laughs> Cousins the last time, and so maybe they'll keep rotating it around. But I think Kirk uh, got to the point where he didn't think after he took his shirt off. I don't think he wanted to take take the next step, and so he might have retired from that. Uh, from that uh, performance and, and, and has looked to Patrick Peterson and others to take over, but we'll see. They, uh, they'll be in their own locker room. Then they'll be scattered out uh, in the twin cities after that. And we'll see what they, what they drum up. An eye out for some bling. Oh my God. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't miss it. You also can't miss Kevin. Uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter. Kevin Seifert. We appreciate as always your time and expertise. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for having me guys. Uh, look, I, I just hope that they're fake diamonds because the frugal guy in me doesn't want you just like dancing willy nilly with all that bling. Like, I, I just want, I, I'm afraid. Like, what happens if a stone falls off? And then, like, you know, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. are you underneath the seat trying to find Ask it? Because I would be. I mean, yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to hope that it was all like fake, fake diamonds from Claire's or something. Like, maybe that's just me balling <laughs> on a budget. Some I don't CDs? know. <laughs> I don't think so. Not with their salaries. Oh, man. All right. We'll get some NFL expertise from our buddy Herm Edwards going to join us next to break down week 11 at Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Progressive's 10th Keys to Progress giveaway for veterans. This year, their goal is to gift a vehicle to a recipient, small business, or nonprofit in every state. See more about their annual giveaway at keystoprogress.com. Joining us now to talk a little NFL, Herm Edwards. And Herm, I want to start with the biggest game of the weekend, one in which perhaps some disrespect has been handed out. The Vikings, underdogs at home versus the Cowboys. What do you make of this matchup? Well, when you look at it on, on paper, um, it's kind of interesting. Um, both these teams do some things pretty well, obviously, uh, when you think about Minnesota. And, and, and you wouldn't say this because, you know, a, a lot of people going into the season say, well, Kirk Cousins, you know, it's Kirk Cousins and you're looking at the pass. But believe it or not, they rank seventh <laughs> in passing offense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody thinks there's, there's some conservative offense, and he's thrown 14 touchdown passes. So they're, they're, they're pretty good on offense. And Dallas, you know, Dallas, when you look at them on the other side of it, um, they're 26 in passing the ball, right? And so you, you look at this thing and, you know, everyone's kind of 
discounting the, the Minnesota Vikings, but all they do is they continue to just win. And a lot of it has to do with Kirk Cousins. We know about their defense. Their defense does a great job of taking the ball away, as well as the Cowboys. But the passing game is what's interesting. You know, Minnesota's 23rd in running the football. So when you look at the Cowboys portion of this, Herm, it's always interesting to me to try and figure out how guys keep the pressure out, right? Because everything the Cowboys do gets over-scrutinized, (laughs) over-analyzed. From a coaching and and organizational standpoint, when your owner's out here talking about your quarterback and there's all these questions, how do you keep all of the noise away from the guys to let them just focus on football? Well, it's not like you're walking into something you don't understand, right, Mm -hmm. when you become a Cowboy. Uh, I can remember – when I was in the NFC East playing with the Eagles, you know, there was a reason they said that uh, when they built the stadium earlier then that there was a hole in the roof, right? Cause it was America's team <laughs> and everybody needed to watch America's team. <laughs> but that just goes along with being a cowboy, right? I mean, if you're a cowboy player, you get it. Uh, if you've grown up watching the Cowboys, you understand there is a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of things going around in the Cowboys organization. And Jerry, as much as people want to say about Jerry, yet you know he generally has a press conference before the head coach, but that's part of the deal, and you know that walking into there. So it's not like you're naive when you're a cowboy player or a cowboy coach. Um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of glitter uh, with the Cowboys, and so all these things become part of it. So I think if you're a player in that organization, you know what to expect. It's just this is what we do. Herm Edwards with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Uh, it looks to me like the Packers are done. Uh, there was a, mm. a nice little blip there versus the Cowboys, but it wasn't just Aaron Rodgers last night. The run game was inefficient. The defense couldn't stop a Titans uh, passing game that we haven't seen much from until last night. Um, what's next for the Packers? Well, there, there is some sentiment out there. Well, should, should you all of a sudden um... – played a young quarterback. Um, I think when you start talking like that, that's people outside the building, obviously. I think the first thing that has to happen, if you're considering that, uh, you better have a conversation with Aaron Rodgers and ask him this, do you want to be traded? Because I think going forward, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, uh, we saw it last night, uh, there was a lot of Aaron throws, and they'll blame it on Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to blame it on some of those receivers, too. You know, Watson's a young guy. Cobb is just getting back in the lineup. Lazard, you know, I mean, you, you can watch him at times, and, and, and it, they're not in sync. So if you're trying to get in sync and going forward and Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, then you need to let him continue to play with these young guys. And maybe toward the end, depending on what your record is, I'm like you, it, it's going to be very difficult for them to get in. they got to win five out of their next six games to get in to get to nine. I think nine will get you in, but it's going to be tough. So, Herm, I'm going to rewind time all the way back to the first time I met you years ago before I ever worked here. We were talking about football backstage in an event, and you said, you know what? If you're a coach with a quarterback, you're a great coach. And if you're a coach without a quarterback, you ain't a great coach. And I've always remembered that moment. Well, I'm looking at Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, and I, there's a fair question that has to happen at some point, that if it goes off the rails, how are we supposed to assess LaFleur's job in all of this? Well, let's don't forget, like, two years in a row, this team won 13 games, correct? Yeah. Well, I'm just, we, we, you know, but I, I know we'll discount that because all we can talk about is right now. I, I'll say this. Um, when you think about Aaron Rodgers in this offense, he lost his offensive coordinator. He lost his quarterback coach. 
He lost Devontae Adams. There's a lot of pieces that have left. And people say, well, that shouldn't affect you. Well, I don't know about that. Aaron Rodgers, is a, you know, he's a different guy. And, and I know Nathaniel Hackett personally. Um, he was in training camp. He's a young kid because his daddy was the offensive coordinator, Paul Hackett, for me. And Nathaniel had a great relationship with him. And Aaron has said that. So there's a lot of things on the plate of the quarterback. Now, that goes with playing the position. And Aaron Rodgers is a big boy. Uh, and he's been an outstanding player. He's having a bad year. By the way, there's this guy called Captain America that I named a long time ago, Tom Brady. He wasn't playing very good either early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, we just don't anticipate it. When we see it, we go, what's wrong? Something's wrong here. Every once in a while, you're going to have a bad season with a great quarterback sometimes. Herm Edwards with us here at Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, I don't think anyone expects a whole lot out of Zach Wilson, but the Jets team is turning some heads. They've got the Patriots this weekend. Is this finally the time for them to surpass their big brother bully in New England? Well, they need to win this game. It's a division game, obviously, and I think they were, they were very disappointed when New England really came down there and beat them. Um, and, I, and I, look, I, I sat in that conference for, what, five years, uh, coaching the Jets against New England. And, and I think for the Jets to go on the road and win a game up there, we won a few up there when I was up there. Very difficult. But New England, you know, they're sneaky. They're kind of sitting around going, okay, they're, they're, it's over for them. Not so fast. They win this game, and, 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 and things become a little bit different as far as wild card positioning and all that. But this is a game the Jets need to win. This is a division game. They've got a good football team. And I think you mentioned the quarterback. Three interceptions the first time they played. They have to be aware of this. You better learn how to adjust at halftime. Because whatever you're doing the first half, they're reading your mail, and, 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 and they got what you're trying to write, right? And so you better be able to adjust. And I think for this young quarterback, the way he looks at the game when he goes back to pass is going to be very important because they're going to – they're going to muddy it up for him. They're going to give him some different looks and bring pressure. And he hasn't reacted very good versus pressure. The human element here, especially like when you're a fan, is when you know your favorite team has lost 13 straight times to a division rival. The minute it goes wrong, you sort of say, okay, here we go again. How do you keep that mentality <laughs> out of the Jets' mindset when it's like, okay, here we go again? Well, I remember that uh, when we lost our first game without head coach, same old Jets. I went, okay, right, <laughs> okay. That's not always the case. I can also remember we won a division, too. Start our second year at 2-5. and five. And that's when I made the change to quarterback, right? And we ended up winning the division. Yeah, the Captain America was in that division. Tom Brady was there. and Coach mm-hmm. Belichick was the head coach. But it's tough. And, and you know, Bill's going to go down as one of the greatest coaches to ever play. And I think you understand that. But this is a division game, as you've mentioned. And, and I think all Jet fans know when you play New England, they always go, oh, no, we got to play the Patriots. Well, yeah, you got to play the Patriots. They're in your division. They're not going to change. And so this is the game you need to win. Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz at Spain and Fitz on a Friday on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, you, you expect anything um, from the Lions-Jets game? Do you think the Lions learned something from their win? Or do you think that the – because the spread is just a minus three for the Jets. Uh, that's wild to me. I mean, for the Giants. Well, yeah, the Giants. Um I think when you you look at the Lions, um, you know, the one thing you can say about those guys, and, and they, they, they play hard. I mean, you know you're getting into that. And I think they're gaining some confidence of, of how they play. Um, here again, this is a game, if you're the Giants, you know, 
there's only so many games left now. You, 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 have, to, you have to win these type of games. And this is, a, this is a hard game because you're trying to motivate your team to say, hey, look, these guys are going to play hard. And the players see it on tape, but it's kind of one of those games, hey, we should – no, 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 you better get ready. And I, I think that these are the hardest games to coach as a coach. Really. It's not like, you know, the, when you look at the other team and they've won eight or seven games, it's teams that are kind of like, ah, you know, they're okay. No, they're more than Okay. Because when you watch them play on tape, you go, huh, okay, they made a few errors here or there, or they could have won some games. So you've right. got to be alert for that. Well, and the Giants certainly have something to prove. So if they feel insulted by that, that spread, they can, uh, they can prove it with a big win. Herm, thanks as always for the insight. Appreciate it. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure. Good stuff as always from Herm. Don't forget, you could tune into a football doubleheader Sunday as the Colts host the Eagles, followed by Raiders at Broncos. You've got some hope, Fitz. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Coming up, more Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Forget about me. Name the movie. Breakfast Club. Come on. There you go. No, oh, this is an all-time classic. Just I don't even really know that I care about the movie. This song gives me all the it's feels. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. But the song gives me the feels. And it was on the radio when my best friend uh, moved to Baltimore in second grade. And she pulled out, looking out the back of one of those station wagons. Oh, my God, that's that such a movie backwards. moment. It really was. Oh, was that's so sad. Do you, uh, did you keep in touch with your, your friend? We did for a long time. Okay. Not lately. Uh, but she's married. Living a, living a life somewhere. That's one of the Baltimore weird things somewhere. like about moving around so much as a kid that is not true now. Like, I would have had, like, because I'm old... Uh, I would have had to make, like, a commitment to writing letters to kids and then, like, waiting mm-hmm. for What am I, in prison? No, I'm not doing that. But now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. now you're just like, back uh, then. Yeah, we'll just Snapchat somebody, I'm sure, and you just keep in touch with all of the kids. That's right. It's much easier now with social media. Uh, speaking of Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. The first topic of quickies happens to be just that. Let's get to it. We all sort of uh, eulogized Twitter last night, just in case things went down. Uh, it certainly felt like it would when there were reports that all the employees had been locked out of the building and they wouldn't be let back in until Monday. And many, many, many employees decided not to sign up for what Elon Musk called Twitter 2.0, hardcore. Um, it's still around. But it had a lot of people getting sentimental about the good things, including marriages that happened because of Twitter, jobs, friendships, all sorts of good stuff. It also had a lot of people sharing the all-time best tweets as far as they're concerned. Tony Reale suggested everybody who has a crush should announce it on Twitter before night's end. I like that. Just throw it out there. Shoot your shot. But I also thought it'd be fun, Fitz, to ask people if they knew that Twitter was going down overnight. What would they want their last tweet to be? I thought about that, by the way, a lot last night. I was sitting there getting ready for Sports Center on Snapchat and, and like doom scrolling Twitter all night. I kept thinking about tweeting that, but then I was like, what if that is the last tweet that I ever send? Is asking mm-hmm. everybody what their last tweet is? And then that turned into like way too meta a thing where I was like running around in a circle in my head and I guess I gave up on all of it. I, I, I There's so much pressure with the thought of like, these could be the last words that are ever seen by me on Twitter by you know, the, the nobody right? that follows me. Yeah. 
Yeah, the pressure's on. We want to know if y'all have thought about this and have a good answer. So at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, uh, you can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and let us know. If you knew Twitter was going to be gone overnight, what would you want your last tweet to be? All right, next story. Kawhi Leonard returned last night, Fitz, and it was underwhelming. It's still a first step, which is good. When you've got a guy who's been in and out of the lineup so much over the last couple years and who called his ACL recovery a two-year process, just getting back in the lineup is a start. And I believe he was a plus 26 on the night. So he did impact the game in a positive way. But statistically, not an impressive performance. Still on a minutes limit. And I'm worried and have very little hope that he ever gets back to the Kawhi that we used to know. And I do wonder for the Clippers what it does to be constantly for seasons on end, be adjusting to in or out, in or out all season long. That's the hardest part about it, Sarah, is that you can't just say, okay, this is who we're going to be now because you want to hold out the hope that Kawhi can come back and be who he was before. But I thought last night, you know, I I don't want to say rusty. Everything just looked slow and calculated might be the best way to say it. Like it, it just... It, it wasn't like he'd been just cut loose and saying, all right, go be Kawhi. It felt like it was all being done with a little bit of caution. And even watching it, I felt like I was holding my breath every time he got the ball. Every time he walked, you're holding your breath. You're like, is he okay? Is he not okay? Is he okay? So I think there's got to be a little bit of time to just see what it looks like for him adjusting. But certainly, you're right. It, it was not the Kawhi of old. It won't be the Kawhi of old for a long time. And if you're the Clippers, you're stuck in, in sort of purgatory, not knowing whether you should move forward or whether you should just try and hope that this breaks through. And not just because he's a star, but also because from the reports we've heard, he sort of dictates when do they practice, how hard do they practice, what are they focusing on, right? Not as much lately when he's been out, but he had an outsized effect on how that team was run when he was playing. And the question is, is that something that they still adjust to and react to even when he's not in in every game? Uh, Something certainly to keep an eye on. Next story. Speaking of keeping an eye on things, There was a story that came out uh, overnight about the Titans offensive coordinator that's having ripple effects across the league. He was arrested on a DUI charge after returning from the Packers' big win last night. Todd Downing charged early Friday morning by the Tennessee Highway Patrol around 4.36 a.m. is when he went through the intake process. Now, obviously, this is an issue, Fitz, but it's especially an issue for one because of Andy Reid's son, who left an NFL facility under the influence and caused grave damage to a young girl in a car accident. And also because the NFL has a very significant and very clear policy about celebrating at team facilities. You'll often see in baseball and basketball celebrating with champagne or beer or otherwise. The NFL does not allow alcohol at team facilities in locker rooms and while on team buses and planes. But it's been clear that a lot of people have been breaking that. That includes Taylor Heineke in a, with a beer in hand after a big uh, win over the Eagles. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, Britt Reed and this now Todd Downing story. Um, Fitz, this seems like particularly fraught after the after the Reed story. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you're talking about the fact that they're playing. The team plane landed at approximately 2.07 a.m. He went through the intake process at jail at 4.36 a.m. So in the process of two and a half hours, uh, he got to the point that he shouldn't have been behind the wheel or in the process of celebrating afterwards, he got to that point. The right Titans on the are plane. Gonna, right. Yeah. So I think that's what the Titans are going to have to answer right now. And, and this is where 
you know, for Todd Downing, who, you know, frankly, isn't the most loved offensive coordinator in the history of the league. The the fans in Tennessee are very split anyway, and there's been a lot of conversation locally about him. Uh, he's uh, a hotbed for controversy on whether or not people loves the, love the job he does. Now you add this on top of it. it is a weird distraction to put on top of everything. And always tough when a coach does this, considering the message to your players is yeah, you have car facilities, you have people that will help you, you don't have to do this, and then you have a coach that goes out and does that. All right, next story. Some people were enthusiastic about a promising statement from Russia about the negotiations to bring Brittany Griner home, but the U.S. Department of State has quickly sort of shot it down. The Russian foreign, uh, deputy foreign minister was quoted by Russian media saying there was new, quote, activity in talks that might send convicted arms dealer Victor Bout um, in, a, in a prisoner swap. He's currently serving 25 years in a U.S. Pr- prison, but a State Department spokesperson responded very quickly that Russia still has not seriously engaged in negotiations no matter what he said. That is very disheartening, especially as Griner's been relocated 200 miles outside Moscow to a penal colony that has significantly worse conditions than where she does before. And if they're now lying about making progress, that's pretty scary. Yeah, and this is where transparency from the State Department continues to be incredibly important as we all try and figure out what every report means, because we are in a world on all of this where I feel like you can't trust anything other than the reporting that you're seeing from people that are obviously above board and giving you the right mm-hmm. information. 100% agree. All right, next story. This is a quick one. I'm not actually excited about it. I just like the headline. Spain overtakes USA for number one spot in FIBA men's hoops rankings. <laughs> uh, I feel good about this. I love being a top any ranking, uh, I guess, unless it's like worst person on television, which I've been before. Um, but uh, for the first time in 12 years, USA basketball not atop the world men's rankings. That's shocking, Fitz. Yeah, it is shocking. And it's something that, frankly, the minute people start to see that, there will be a quick reaction to make that right. No doubt. Some rededication to caring about the world basketball stage for the U.S. Coming up, is that all she wrote for the Packers? We'll talk to an expert. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast.